Hey, welcome, 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 and greetings from Alfie's World, the place where we try to bring you a little fun, pique your interest, and, you know, maybe, maybe even give you an opportunity to learn a thing or two about history. Boy, I am so glad you decided to join us. Now, today, we are presenting another program from our collection of stories entitled Alfie's Amazing But True Tales. Now, these are true stories which have often been well, overlooked or excluded from the uh, pantheon of history, eh, for whatever reason. My name is Elfie Wolfram, and I hope you enjoy our presentation. This is episode number 34, and it is entitled, An Authentic Adventurer. So, kick back, relax, <laughs> and enjoy. Have you ever known anyone who was born with, with, with such a wonderlust embedded so deep in their very soul that it would be the driving force in their entire life? Well, if you haven't, let me introduce you to Alexandra David Niel, a true world-class adventurer. Alexandra was born Louise Eugène. Alexandrine Marie David, on October 24, 1868, into a middle-class family in a suburb of Paris. Now, she had well, an unusual set of parents. Her father was a Huguenot Freemason teacher who was a far-left activist. Her mother, on the other hand, was a conservative Roman Catholic from Belgium. Now, Alexandra would later claim her very first journey for adventure came at the age of two when she took off on a solo exploratory stroll down her neighborhood street. At the age of six, her family moved to Belgium. Now, when she reached her teens, Alexandra began becoming irritated by the long, boring vacations her family took. Well, these are very common for the middle class of this era. So, as she would later write, I, I cried bitter tears more than once, having the, the, the profound feeling that life was going by, that the days of my youth were going by, empty, empty, with, without interest, without joy. <laughs> but she would not let life pass her by for very long. At the age of 17, Alexandra slipped away from her parents and boarded a train for Switzerland. She was able to make it all the way across the Swiss Alps to Lake Maggiore in Italy before her mother finally caught up with her and brought her home. And only a year later, the wanderlust really set in for Alexandra big time. She tied a few changes of clothes to the handlebars of her bicycle and started south for Spain. Aha, but she didn't stop there. Oh, no. When she had seen enough of the Iberian Peninsula, she made her way to England. It was here that she began studying Eastern religions for the first time. Well, eventually, her parents caught up with her in London and brought her home one more time. 
finally, in 1889, Alexandra turned 21. She was now considered an adult and was free to determine her own life. And so she immediately moved to Paris. Now, because girls were not permitted to attend classes as degree-earning students in that day and age, she began to audit classes in Eastern religions at the famed Sorbonne University. And instead of spending her free time drinking wine on the steps of the famed Sacre-Cœur Basilica in Montmartre, as so many students did, she spent long hours devoted to the study of Eastern religions at the reading room at the Guimet Museum of Asian Art. Within a year, Alexandra's desire to see what exotic ports the world had to offer overtook her. After receiving a, a modest inheritance from her grandmother, she was off to India. Now, when her funds ran out, she talked her way into a job singing with a traveling opera company, even though she had never sang publicly before in her life. Well, probably one of the appeals of this newfound occupation was the fact that it traveled to many of the far-flung colonies of France. Now, while in the exotic outpost of Tunis, Algeria, she met a handsome young railroad engineer named Philippe Niel. In 1904, when Alexandra was 36 years old, she and Philippe married. Well, did her marriage finally end Alexandra's wanderlust? Was she once and for all able to settle down to a traditional married life and have children? Was she to become a typical French housewife? Uh, well, <laughs> not on your travel brochure, she didn't. Oh, no. Being married, well, it did not temper Alexandra's desire to see the world in the least. Much of her married life would be spent apart from her husband, while she pursued her many journeys to the strange and distant ports of call. She also kept her maiden name, but added her husband's name with a hyphen, a practice which, well, although common today, was almost unheard of in her time. Thus she became Alexandra David Neal. Now, over time, Alexandra became known throughout much of France as an expert on Eastern religion. Soon, she found herself making a living on the lecture circuit. Then, in 1911, with the aid of a grant from the French Ministry of Education, she headed back to India to study Sanskrit. Now, arriving at the Hindu holy city of Benares, in India, she soon gained an introduction to the 13th Dalai Lama. Now, he, he had only recently fled his homeland in the neighboring mountain kingdom of Tibet after it was invaded 
by Chinese troops. Not feeling restricted by the unexpected restraints so many women of her generation experienced, Alexandra asked and received answers to numerous questions of spiritual enlightenment from the Dalai Lama. Now, this is the first record in history of a European woman ever being able to ask the leader of Tibetan Buddhism such provocative questions. Then, in 1914, Alexandra was off to the royal monastery in the nearby kingdom of Sikkum, a, a, a tiny little country tucked neatly between Nepal and Tibet. It was here that she met the crown prince of Sikkum, with whom it was rumored she had a, a romantic relationship. Now, over the next two years, Alexandra continued her quest for Buddhist enlightenment. Now, to this end, she even spent a year living in a cave in Sukkum. During this time, she had numerous aides bring her one meal a day. Now, one of her cohorts was a monk by the name of Afur Nyongdin. He would spend the rest of his life as her traveling companion. Eventually, she would even adopt him as her son. Now, these were perilous times. In 1916, India closed off its border to Tibet for passage by foreigners. Nonetheless, it was during this time that Alexandra and Yongdin crossed into Tibet. Well, when the British colonial government of India discovered their transgression, uh, the two of them were quickly deported. <laughs> ah, but Alexandra and Young Dean had a problem. War had broken out in Europe, and travel by passenger ship back to France was all but impossible. So instead, the two of them departed for Japan. Upon their arrival in the land of the rising sun, they met a famous Buddhist monk who had been born in Japan. Now, he told Alexandra of how he had traveled to the Tibetan city of Lhasa in 1901 by disguising himself as a Chinese physician. Well, that was all that was needed to inspire Alexandra's next adventure. Soon, Alexandra and Yongdin began a journey across China, which would ultimately cover over 2,000 miles, most of which was on foot. Their ultimate goal was to return to the holy city of Lhasa. Now, over time, they made it to the Buddhist monastery at Kumbum. Now, though located in the heart of China, it is considered to be the birthplace of Tibetan Buddhism. While there, Alexandra translated numerous Tibetan texts into French. She did run into trouble, however, during the winter of 1922-23. 
discovered traveling across the Gobi Desert near Tibet without the proper papers, both her and young Dean were detained and eventually expelled by the local authorities. Finally, in 1924, traveling with other pilgrims, they arrived in Lhasa. Now, by darkening her skin with the soot from the bottom of her only cooking pot, Alexandra was able to disguise herself as a Tibetan woman, and Yang Ding claimed to be her son. The two of them would spend two glorious, productive months in Lhasa. By late 1925, it was finally time for Alexandra to go home to France. Once there, she began to support herself and Yang Ding by writing articles for newspapers and magazines, which caused an immediate sensation. In 1927, she published an English version of her travels entitled My Journey to Lhasa, the personal story of the only white woman who succeeded in entering the Forbidden City. Now, for her writings, Alexandra received two of France's highest honors. With the proceeds from her writings, Alexandra bought a house in the south of France where she and Yang Dean would live. Throughout all of this, she remained married to Philippe Niel. For his part, well, Philippe remained supportive of her efforts, even helping to finance her until his death in 1941. Now, though she was nearing the age of 70, Alexandra was far from ready to retire from her adventurous life. In 1937, she decided to return to a remote area in western China. Now, to do so, she and Yang Dean had to cross the Soviet Union a place in great turmoil at that time. They were still there when World War II broke out. It was only this warfare which forced the two of them home for the last time. Now, it was said that by this time, young Dean was drinking very heavily. He finally died in 1955. As for Alexandra... Well, she continued to write and publish definitive works on Buddhism until her death, just six weeks short of her 101st birthday in 1969. As per her request, her ashes and those of her adopted son, Yang Dean, were scattered in the Ganges River in the Hindu holy city of Benares. It is said that her writings inspired the beat poet Allen Ginsberg. Her life was also alleged to have motivated many of the members of the beat generation to be deeply skeptical of the many values and beliefs of their parents. And so there you have it, the story of undoubtedly one of the greatest adventurers of all times. So, 
the next time you feel inclined to brag about your mighty adventure traveling from Minneapolis to that exotic port of New Orleans, remember the name of Alexandra David Niel. Her life and travels can only be described as amazing and adventurously true. And there you have it, episode number 34, entitled An Authentic Adventurer. It's part of our weekly series entitled Elfie's Amazing But True Tales. Now, each week, we feel privileged to present for your entertainment and edification a brand new audio story from our collection of amazing but true tales from history. Now, some of these narratives come from our book entitled Elfie's Amazing But True Tales of American History and More. As a listener to this program, you are entitled to purchase autographed copies of our original book, Elfie's Amazing But True Tales of American History and More, at half the publisher's price of $13.95 or a mere $7 per book, and that includes shipping and handling anywhere within the United States. Oh, you know, for more information, merely go to elfiesworld.com. That's A-L-F-Y-S-W-O-R-L-D, elfiesworld.com, and click on Elfie the Writer for more information. And now, I would like to thank the following for helping to make this program possible. First, Garrett Wolfram, our technical producer and supervisor. The late Irene Wolfram, principal editor and provider of Sage Council. Expert publishing for their help in editing and publishing our book. Lucas Ganza Anna Waltz for the Parlor Guitar Magic Set. Hoyne Tomish for the Piano Introduction. Edemizic for Breakfast Piano Jingle. And finally, the thousands of readers who have supported our efforts from the beginning. 